The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by staying up late. Lots of cars. Sacrificing personal time. Dreams and hopes for a better world. And lots and lots of caffeine. <laughs> are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you even more annoyed when someone gives you the helpful advice to Think positively! I know your marriage seems doomed and you've lost your job and your dog chewed up the only copy of your perfect resume, but you and I both know that the only way through this mess is to keep your chin up, your despair down, and your butt in that chair because positive thinking is all you need for your romantic, financial, and emotional freedom. But what about food? I need to eat. <laughs> Think positively! You have to do it, or it will never come true! But I'm hungry now. You just don't get it, do you? Call me in a week! I want to hear your progress. Keep thinking positively! If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then get ready to start creating the life you've always wanted now. This is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain. I am a personal empowerment coach, and I've been doing this show for about th almost three years now. So I'm just here to say on every episode, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. And if you're here to learn more common sense tips for improving your life, turn on another show that has common sense tips because this is the direct path to uncommon sense and that's why it's going to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. To start things off, I'm going to read a letter I just received a few days ago, which is unusual because I usually read letters that I received a couple months ago because I never get to them. But the reason I'm going to read this letter today is because uh, it's in reference to a letter that I received several months back, I think around January or February, and I created a show on it. And the person who listened to the show went through some changes and she sent me an update. So I'm going to read this letter as an update to that episode. And if you remember it, then you'll probably know where this comes from. So let me read this to you now. Hi, Paul. How are you? I hope this summer is bringing you joy. You graciously answered my email on a podcast earlier this year. I'm sorry, I can't remember which episode, but I want to say it was February, maybe. I wrote about my coworkers and my bosses constantly asking for things that I had already given them. I was having trouble with being mad and stressed by it. Your answer was thorough and thoughtful, and it helped me tremendously. At first, you told me to practice CYA. For those of you who don't know, that's cover your butt. <laughs> and I didn't like your answer. I was still in the mindset of, this is their problem, not mine. <laughs> but I knew what you were saying was right, so I found a quiet place and I listened to the podcast several times more over the next few days, I even shared it with a coworker who has the same bosses, and we started implementing CYA together. I think our bosses were wondering what got into us. <laughs> we communicated often, clearly, and with professional enthusiasm, and it gave me such freedom and joy to do this. And I laughed when I considered that my flesh didn't want to do this at first. 
meaning there was probably a big part of her that did not want to go through with this. It released all the emotional baggage that I was carrying by tossing the ball back to them where it belonged. And it made me a better employee, too. You also gave me honest advice that I was choosing to work with people like this. I've known for a year that I wanted another job, but I've been putting it off. I didn't realize by putting it off and saying, I'm fine, that I was allowing this job to eat up the passion and joy in my life. I finally decided to put the job hunt into action, and to my surprise, I got an incredible job offer in just a month. I start my new job next week. I think I interviewed them more than they interviewed me because I really wanted to understand what the work environment was like. I wanted to be sure that I was going to a place that was a good fit for me, and I believe this new place is. Thank you for taking the time to answer my question. It helped me so much. The coworker who also implemented CYA with me also got another job and is incredibly happy. We went from being stuck in bad jobs, paralyzed with disappointment, to taking action and seeking something better. I don't think everyone should just up and leave their jobs, but in this case, it was the right thing. Thank you for being honest. Well, thank you for writing back and telling me what happened because uh, I don't often get uh, letters back that say this happened and that happened, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I get the results <laughs> or the outcome letter. And um, I'm always waiting for that one letter, and I thought this was going to be it, <laughs> that says, you told me to do this, and now my husband left, and I got fired, and I'm homeless on the street. I'm waiting for that letter. <laughs> I hope I never get it. But at the same time, my own belief system embraces that sometimes those things need to happen so that we can have some sort of breakdown that leads to a breakthrough. I don't want them to happen to you. I do my best to tell you things that help you avoid those things happening to you. But sometimes the lessons in life are so big that we need to have a huge impact in order for us to learn the lesson. Like my lesson in holding on to my attachment so tightly and not getting rid of things I should have gotten rid of years ago and collecting more and more stuff. I was by no means a hoarder, but I would certainly hang on to things and have a strong emotional attachment to them. And then one day my car broke down and almost everything I owned was in my car and I lost it all because I abandoned my car. Well, I didn't abandon it. I actually sold my car and all my possessions to someone just to get a bus ticket home. I talk about that in other episodes, but that was the day I learned to be able to let go, to not hold on to things that even though they meant something to me, I could still let them go and be okay. That was the day I learned to be okay. <laughs> it was huge, though, because I was a thousand miles from home and I lost everything. I just lost it all for a bus ticket. But it was great. I didn't want to go through it, but it was great. Just like the day I was married and we ended up broke and at the soup kitchen. For months and months, we visited the soup kitchen to eat. The lesson was powerful, and I take it with me to this day that no matter what, even if I lose everything, I'll still be okay. And having visited the bottom like that, at least as far as I went down, there's, there's lower bottoms than that, but as far as the, uh, we both went down, we realized it's okay. If it happens, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. We survived. I took that with me. I survived. I was still able to eat. 
I was still able to sleep at night. I still had shelter. And yes, it probably could have gotten worse, but it didn't. But that was a pretty darn low point in my life. But at the same time, it was a very high point in my life because I had that breakdown that led to a breakthrough. Because eventually I got work and was able to save a lot of money and get out of a system that I preferred not to be in. These lessons come along and we don't think we want them, but when we go through them, we do come out stronger people. We do come out with enlightenment of some sort so that fear doesn't plague us like it used to. I mean, think about that. Fear drives a lot of our behavior. Fear of not being able to pay your bills forces you to stay at work that you don't like. Fear of being fired forces you to not talk back to your boss, to not speak up for yourself, to honor your boundaries, all because you fear what you'll lose. But imagine if you lost everything and you were okay. Imagine on the other side of that, you were still okay. And then you were able to rebuild. And all that time, you're okay. And then suddenly you realize, wow, I can lose everything and still be okay. I don't want to lose everything. (laughs) I didn't want to lose everything, but I did. I lost everything. And I'm still okay. I made it. And that removed my fear of losing everything. It doesn't mean now I'm lazy and it's okay that (laughs) I don't make any money and it's okay if I live on the street. No, in fact, I have more motivation now to make money, to make a living, to get, to stay away from that space that I was in because I've been there. I know what it's like and I know what I don't want for sure anymore. But if things don't work out and I end up there again, I guess that's just how it is and I'll have to learn another lesson that I don't know or something might be going on in my life that I need to address and suddenly I'm back in that space and I have to deal with it again. But what I really want to say about this letter is, first of all, again, thank you for writing this. I love this update. And yes, I thought it was going to be one of those letters that said, you ruined my life with that advice. (laughs) I'm glad it wasn't. And I'm also glad that you actually took the advice. You actually did the work. A couple podcast episodes ago, I said, you have to do the work. You have to do this stuff. And she didn't want to. And let me just break this down. Um, the, the episode I'm talking about, the letter she wrote, was that her bosses and coworkers kept coming to her saying, I need to get this done. And, and they had already given it to her. Or they were giving her a project that, that she already had. And, and they just kept breathing down her neck. And it just kept irritating her more and more and more. And she just couldn't stand it. And it was causing her frustration and anger and all kinds of emotions. And so they were very, she was working for some very unorganized or disorganized people. And because of that, it was making her life hell <laughs> or as close to it as as close to it where she felt that she didn't like her job anymore. And, you know, how am I going to survive this? And, you know, she she can say all she wants to her bosses like you already gave that to me, but they'll still do it and they'll still still keep doing it. And she didn't know what she could do. So my advice to her, what she said was CYA. And what she means by that is I said what you need to do is cover your is protect yourself and have the status of everything ready available all the time and that sounds like a lot of work at first but let me tell you where i'm going with this 
not only do you have to know the status of everything that you're working on, which is something you'd probably do at your job anyway, but now I want you to go to them and keep updating them before they come to you. And she didn't like that advice. She's like, that's their problem. They should know they already gave this work to me and that I'm working on it. And I said, yeah, but what you need to do is do exactly what they're doing to you because that's the kind of person they are. Now, I told her this because if she wants to keep her job and she wants to be somewhat happy at it, then she needs to take the reins. She needs to take control. And how do you take control? You give people what they need in your terms. You give people what they need the way you want to give it to them. I mean, if you really have to stay in a situation and people have needs that need to be met, then you have to meet those needs. But you can do so in a way that you call the shots, where you go into their office and list the status of everything before they come to your office and ask, what's the status with this? Why aren't we calling them? Or or whatever. Because think about the difference between waiting there, waiting for your boss or anyone that frustrates you in some way. Think about you just sitting there waiting for them, knowing that it's going to happen, knowing that they're going to come in and ask some question that's going to drive you crazy. I mean, you're, you'd be in a constant state of either unhealthy anticipation or even anxiety or just underlying anger all the time. But what if you just took care of that before they did? What if you just did what they wanted before they asked? They're probably not used to people coming to them and giving them the status. So, And they're probably used to dominating conversations or micromanaging you or whatever. And I was like, well, you need to do some reverse micromanagement yourself. You need to go in there and start telling them the status of everything. You need to give them so much information that they'll have nothing left to ask. You need to anticipate what they're going to ask. And I think that's the advice she said she didn't like because, like she said, but that's their problem. (laughs) But what happens is you start to change the dynamic of the situation. And like she said, she was able to release the emotional baggage that she had. She, she probably felt anger with every time they came in and she didn't want to deal with it anymore. So how do you do that? How do you start to enjoy your life again? You fulfill their needs on your terms. And by doing that, your life gets easier. You know, I'm sure there are exceptions, but for the most part, you already know they're going to come in and ask you questions. You already know that's going to happen. So just cover your bases and approach them instead. And like she said, it made me a better employee. And I bet it would because now you're really diligent in everything that you're doing. And it's no longer uh, a job where you're sitting there in an underlying anger or even maybe fear all the time. You're no longer doing that. Now you're in control. Now it's your terms. And now you're running the show. (laughs) And let me tell you what, I don't know her bosses at all. But I'm guessing that in a way they probably appreciated it because a lot of bosses, a lot of managers, the buck stops with them and they have a lot on their mind and it probably feels good for someone to take over and go, I got this. Hey, this is what's happening with this. This is what's happening with that. Everything is good with these guys. These guys need a call. She's going down the checklist and and just telling them everything they need to know. So in this case, you know, my suggestions worked and her, her job got better. And 
She passed the information to her coworker. Her coworker's job got better. And then they felt empowered. That's where I try to get you. I try to get you to a place of empowerment because they both decided that, hey, now that I feel confident in myself and I know that I'm not the slacker that my bosses think I am, I feel confident enough to look for another job and apply somewhere else because I know I'm good. <laughs> I know I'm smart, damn it. I know that I'm a great employee and that this job may not be right for me anymore. Maybe I've outgrown it. Maybe I'm better than this now. That's where you can go. That's where you can be when you take control. I know that word, control. <laughs> you have control issues. It's not that kind of control. It's not the kind of control where you're in the passenger seat and you're telling somebody, slow down, <laughs> turn left, put your blinker on, hit the brakes. It's not that kind of control. It's the kind of control where you look at your life and go, what frustrates me more than anything? What causes a problem in my life that I don't want to be a problem anymore? These aren't small fears like fear of flying, fear of spiders and things like that. Those aren't, that's not what I mean. I'm talking about the big stuff in life, you know, career, relationships, friendships, family. Family is a big one. Where do you feel like you're always being maybe taken advantage of? Maybe someone's crossing your boundaries. And how can you take control of that? How can you get to a place where you're taking the reins and, and steering the stagecoach to a place of empowerment for you? Where can you do that in your life? Does someone bother you because they keep approaching you or asking you to do things that you don't want to do or making you feel any less than who you are when you know deep down inside that you're not what they think you are? What can you do to fulfill their needs? You know, it sounds like that's not my job. That's what <laughs> this letter writer said. That's not my job. But sometimes to make your life easier, if you make it your job, you end up being in control. This is what she did. She made it her job to tell her bosses everything they needed to know before they came to her. And her life got easier. I mean, that's the outcome we want, right? Let's get our life easier. And then she didn't stay. Maybe she didn't like their personality. Maybe she didn't like their job. Maybe she knew that she was worth more money. She chose not to stay. She got another job. But she had to get to that point by getting to a level of control in herself. And when you're being beaten down, and that's proverbial beating down in, in this case, when you're getting beaten down, you don't feel like you're empowered. You don't feel like you can make decisions that are right for you. So you just keep doing what you're doing. You stay in that routine just because even though you may not like it, it's still secure. It's still safe. And sometimes it's just not fun. Sometimes you're just not happy. So you might have to do something a little different to get to a more secure place, to get some level of control in your life back so that you can then crawl out of any dark place that you're in and take charge again. Take charge of your life. I like that idea. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to start the show with today. It's a letter that inspired me to know that, um, hey, what I teach works. <laughs> no, I wasn't really questioning that. Uh, but, you know, every now and then someone's going to go, well, what you said didn't work in my particular situation, but I was able to take something from it. And it's not going to be the same for everyone. But for the most part, I try to keep um, what I teach here general enough 
to fit into almost any situation. When it gets more and more and more specific, that's when it's a little tough to apply what I teach to every single thing in life. Like if you have a cockroach problem in your house, you may not be able to fulfill the needs of the cockroaches. (laughs) But for the most part, what you learn here is how to empower yourself so that you can get away from the cockroaches in your life. So thanks again for writing back and letting me know that everything is working out in your life. I appreciate that. And let's get on to our next segment called Ask Paul. So every week we reach out to Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. She is an independent associate for Legal Shield. Legal Shield is that really fantastic legal service that you can get for around $20 a month that answers your questions and tells you where you stand in almost any legal situation. She gets questions all the time regarding you know what this service is and a lot of people think that it's some low-cost, low-budget <laughs> cheap back alley attorney that that you're getting but quite frankly it's it's the opposite because legal shield is so well funded by its subscribers they actually have some very high quality vetted law firms that will help you out so it's well worth it and i'm on it she's on it and she actually wants to share a story uh, with someone who made an assumption about what legal shield is and I'm going to have her share it right now. So this week I was talking to a woman at my church. She actually is an attorney. And I'm starting a fundraising movement for child sexual abuse prevention and survivors. And I'm trying to partner with this church. And so obviously they're concerned about keeping their 501c3 status. And they're concerned about making sure that everything is set up in a way that is appropriate for all of the paperwork and all the requirements that they have so that they're not jeopardized by partnering with me in this project. So I said, look, why don't we, you know, contact Legal Shield? I am a member. I can ask these questions. I'm not sure if they have a 501c3 person, but if they do, then, you know, maybe I can hire them and get the 25% discount that I'm entitled to. And she says, you know, with all due respect, Legal Shield is just wills and personal injury, and I don't think that's appropriate. They're not going to know what we need to know. Okay, let me just say right now, that is just not even remotely accurate. It's not remotely true. And I think that anytime you have some kind of membership service like this, they don't even understand how it works. And they think it's some subpar, low quality, bottom feeding services that maybe uh, even legal professionals look at as, you know, bottom of the barrel. And that is not even remotely accurate. Not at all. It is quality service for any niche that you need. And if your firm in your state that has been chosen as the Legal Shield firm does not have that niche, there are partners across the state that they will use that have also been vetted and regulated by the Legal Shield people to know that the service they're providing is excellent service. So they will find the person that you need in whatever niche you need to get accurate information. They have everything. They have business. They have entertainment law. They have wills. They do have personal injury. They have custody and divorce. They even have defense. 
So I just wanted to bring that out into the light because to hear her say that was shocking to me. She was making judgments about something that she obviously knows nothing about. So I want to make sure that everybody understands this is an A-plus service. Absolutely. It is so much safer and so much better than rolling the dice and picking some random attorney based on Joe Schmo's referral that said, oh yeah, this worked great for me. I've had to do that several times before Legal Shield, and none of them worked out to my advantage because they didn't care about me. They were more interested in their bottom line and making sure they got their money. And both times I lost significant amounts of money or could have lost significant amounts of money if my head wasn't screwed on better, even when I was in total stress and chaos with a very, very difficult and mentally excruciating divorce. So it is A plus and they have every niche that you need. If you have questions or you might be interested, you can call me at 678 355-8777 or go to getoutofthemess.com and there are buttons at the top you can leave me a message you can send me a phone call whatever you like and keep an eye out for my child sexual abuse movement because I'm going to make Paul put it on his show shortly All right, welcome back to Ask Paul. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to help them through a challenge or two. This first letter is not necessarily an inquiry, but I am going to read it anyway and uh, give you my uh, comments on it. Dear Paul, thank you so much for your podcast. I am a person in my 40s who thought she had recovered from depression. However, a series of circumstances over the last couple of years have brought it on again and I've been feeling more defeated by life than I ever have before. Compulsive behaviors, stress, and a sense of hopelessness have been increasing. I have become intensely disconnected from body, people, and purpose. I feel a total failure at work, with money, in relationships, and family, and even my spiritual life and self-care. I have become a shell adrift in the world, trying not to be crushed. I am more isolated than anyone knows. I am so isolated I can't bring myself to tell anyone what is truly happening. I feel like I am toxic to others. The negativity I feel radiates off me. That said, I aim to act capable every day. I am liked by most, if not loved, at this moment. The problem is I am exhausted by the effort before the day even begins. I'm worried I can't do my job for much longer because I don't have the capacity to handle the workload. Some of my despair has come from a failure to develop relationships. Efforts made to remedy the situation made it worse. Thoughts of suicide have never been so frequent. However, I would never act on them. Too many people would be affected. That said, I'm worried about giving up on having a healthy, happy life. Anyway, your site is helping me. Your responses to letters and your interviews with guests have given me a foothold, a glimmer of light and a measure of control, a place where I feel safe. I will continue to listen. I want you to know that you're making a difference. Thank you. All right, I'm going to call you Jill. Jill, thank you for this letter. This is so powerful in so many ways. I mean, I'm glad you ended it on a high note, that you're that you're being helped in some way. If it's my site, great. If you're listening to other shows, if you're reading books, if you're seeking therapy, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because that high note is the momentum that I want you to keep. 
that forward momentum that I want you to keep going in because what's most important right now is there's a couple things going on here. One, you wouldn't have written to me if there wasn't happiness inside of you trying to get out, trying to be free, trying to experience the world. You wouldn't have written to me and expressed all of this stuff if there wasn't some part of you that knows what joy is like, that knows what satisfaction in life, that knows what peace and tranquility are like. You wouldn't know what help feels like if you didn't feel something positive inside of you. You may not actually feel it consciously, but there's a part of you trying to get out, trying to experience the world. And when you have uh, depression, which my take is when you have thoughts and emotions that you suppress, those eventually become depressed. When you repress your thoughts and emotions, suppression, repression, sort of the same thing. But the longer you do that, the more those things are trapped inside of you and you become depressed. And the longer that happens, the more numb you feel inside, the darker it feels inside. And then your view of the world is dark because you're, you're coming from that dark place. I speak from experience here. I used to depend on my happiness coming from outside of me. I used to depend on the person I was with in my relationships. I would depend on them to make me happy. As long as they're in my life, I'm happy. You've probably heard me say it before that it's not their job to make me happy. It's my job to be in a different healed place in myself so I'm not depending on other people to make me happy. I mean, we do depend on other people for a lot of things. There's no doubt. I mean, we are definitely social creatures that are born into tribes of some sort, are born into families. And then we grow up and we separate from those families and we go off and make our own families or do our own thing. So it's inside of us to be with others. But I don't think we have to depend on others for our emotional well-being. We can depend on others for physical needs like help me lift this couch. (laughs) And of course, what you're thinking, uh, sex and reproduction and also There's other needs in our life that other people can help us with. Help me figure out this math problem. Or sharing your experiences with someone. Let's go to the movies together. Let's play this game together. Let's just talk. Let's just have a deep emotional connection talking. And it definitely enriches our life. It definitely makes our life better. It's not that we're depending on them, though, for our happiness. When we depend on other people for our happiness that's where we start feeling alone because no one will ever be able to fulfill that role. No one can. So that's why when I talk about relationships in general, relationships are all about building the healthiest you possible so that you can bring the healthiest version of yourself into a relationship. And when you do that and you find someone else that is healthy, then you're not feeding off of each other's dysfunctions then you're not looking to that other person to fulfill you in a way that you felt in lack before. When you go into a relationship not feeling lack, that's a a fulfilling, satisfying, deep, connected relationship. That's a, a deep bond that you can develop with somebody like that. 
But aside from that, let me address something that you said, which has to do with being in this despair and thoughts of suicide and just being in this dark place or what did you call it? Um, you're exhausted before the day begins and you're worried that you can't do your job for much longer and you don't have the capacity to handle the workload. Let me ask you this question. Sometimes I call this the magic pill analogy. If I had a magic pill that could do anything for you right now, anything at all, what would it do? What would you want it to do? Don't say, give me a million dollars. (laughs) That's too easy. I want you to dive a little deeper than that. The answer should come pretty quickly because what's most prevalent in your mind is usually the very thing that hasn't changed yet or you haven't chosen to change yet or maybe you can't. There's something about the most prevalent thing in your mind that you know is the obstacle from you getting out of this dark place and going into a lighter place, getting out of depression and going into some sort of peace and satisfaction in your life. What would that pill do? Now, if you have an answer, what I want you to do is ask yourself this. Is my answer dependent on someone else changing or my environment changing? Is it out of my control? Because that's an important question. Is my answer, what I want to change, out of my control? And a good way to gauge that is to ask, does someone have to do something in order for me to be happier? Because if that's the answer, then that answer is not going to help you. If that's what you came up with, then you need, you need to look at something within your control. And in order to come up with an answer like that, you may have to change the question a bit. If this pill could give me the strength, the courage, the determination, the energy, and even the money to do anything, what would it be or what would I do? That answer empowers you. That answer tells you what you can do or what you need to do to make a change in your life. So it gives you direction. It also allows your mind to start formulating ideas uh, in, a, in a positive way, in a, in a direction, in that forward momentum that says, wow, so if I did this, then what would it feel like? If I took this step that I just came up with, how would my life look? Now, it depends on how fantastic your answer was. If your answer was kind of out of the realm of possibility, like I'd fly on the space shuttle and go to another galaxy, it may not be very helpful. But if it was more practical, more grounded, uh, something simpler, or maybe not so simple, something that is possible, but you haven't been able to do it, you know, what would it be? And how does that feel? What does that look like for you? Now, it really depends on your level of depression as well. Because some of this stuff, it's, it's hard to change your emotional state and think about this stuff when you're so deep down. Because you've learned to repress those emotions. You've learned to keep them hidden. Because expressing or letting them come up uh, can be painful. And so we don't want to deal with those emotions that are painful. We want to keep them down which ironically makes us miserable. And it's almost like we'd rather feel miserable than painful. 
But the difference is misery lasts indefinitely and pain comes and goes. And the more intense the pain, usually the more you end up releasing the pain. I'm not talking physical pain, I'm talking emotional pain. The more intense the emotional pain and the more you're willing to go through it and just let it rise up in you and be the most intense it possibly can, the more likely it's going to be released. Or at least it's a start because you're allowing it to happen. And by allowing it to come out in tears, in words, in thoughts, in punching your pillow, in screaming in your car, by allowing those emotions to come up and be expressed, You are opening a valve of your depression. You're opening a a little portal out of your depression so that it can start releasing some of this stuff that has been depressed because you don't want it in there and it has to come out in some way. Now, when I was depressed, I couldn't express emotions. I just couldn't feel it. I was numb. I didn't know how to express emotions. Somebody could say, just feel angry and I couldn't just feel sad. I can't. So here's the thing. When you're that far down and you're having suicidal thoughts, I want you to come up with the attitude of, I'm going to express myself because what does it matter anyway? (laughs) Now that sounds kind of doom and gloom at first. What does it matter anyway? But remember that when it comes to expressing yourself, you haven't been able to do so. And Typically, when you're depressed, you find ways to stay depressed and get even more depressed because somebody crosses your boundaries and you're afraid to say something. Or you want to do something, but you know if you said yes, someone would disagree with you or yell at you. Or you have some other fear that holds you back or keeps you from doing what you want to do in life or saying the things that you want to say in life. So your attitude should be, what does it matter anyway? If I say this, what does it matter anyway? I'm already depressed. Remember, this is the place for uncommon sense. (laughs) So this may sound like bad advice, but hear me out. What does it matter anyway? My boss just told me I have to work weekends. Well, I don't want to work weekends, so I'm going to say no. I don't want to work weekends. What does it matter anyway if I say no and I get fired? What does it matter? I know, it's, this is terrible. <laughs> you don't want to say it, but what does it matter anyway? If I'm depressed, what does it matter anyway? Somebody cuts in front of you at the grocery store, and inside you're like, Ugh, that person just cut in front of me. I'd love to tell that person off. But, oh wait, maybe I will. Because what does it matter anyway? I'm already depressed. What does it matter? Hey, you just cut in front of me in line. That was very rude. And... Whatever they say, they say, but what this will start doing, this what does it matter anyway uh, attitude, is it will start helping you honor your boundaries little by little. And this is a small step into a nice journey out of depression. I shouldn't say a nice journey, but (laughs) it is a journey out of depression. Because depression can take a while to get out of, at least it did for me. Some people can snap out of it. I've read stories where one thing happened in their life and suddenly they snap out of it. It's done and they don't go back. I don't know what happens in the brain or what's going on with that, but it is possible. And for me, it took about two years (laughs) to snap out of it, but it was a slow progression and it was 
progressing. It was getting better and better and better. My depression started going away when I had my breakdown, when the hatred for my stepfather finally came out when I didn't even know hatred was in there. And that was powerful. And I never wanted to feel hatred. I never wanted to be that person. But damn it, I decided to feel it because I had no choice. Something big was impacting my life and I was losing it. And my knees buckled and I fell on the floor and I was crying and I yelled, I hate my stepfather. And suddenly all these years of hatred and pain came out and even anger and sadness and some other emotions that were stored in there at a deep level. And after that first breakdown, it was a glimmer of light, a glimmer of hope that I could actually get out of this depression. It's possible. And then I thought, wait a minute, if all I need to do is have an authentic breakdown where I'm connecting with some raw emotions that maybe I didn't even know were there, where I'm coming up with admissions in myself that I couldn't admit before or didn't want to or didn't even believe were there, how far can this go? What else is in there that I want to release? And that's when my little portal opened to let some of this depression out over time. And as I figured stuff out and healed from some things in myself, I was able to release a lot of this stuff. But one of the most powerful forward steps I took was just starting to honor myself and honor my boundaries. And that's when I came up with the, what does it matter anyway? I'm already depressed. How much worse could it be? <laughs> I'm going to honor my boundaries right now. I'd rather not be depressed. So if I suppress the emotion and repress the thought, it turns into depression. So I don't want to be depressed anymore. So I'm going to express the thoughts and emotions. I'm going to express them because what does it matter anyway? I'm already depressed. So it's just a, a weird little trick that I don't know if I made up, but it's just something that I came up with for myself. And it seems to help because it allows me to realize that, hey, I can either stay depressed, which sucks, <laughs> or I can do this stuff and, hey, maybe there's a chance I won't be as depressed as I was today, tomorrow. And if that's the case, then maybe it's worth saying things that are on my mind. Maybe it's worth honoring myself when before I was afraid to. You don't have to stay in fear because you're already in misery. So there's no need to fear anymore. Just say what's on your mind and express yourself. And what you'll notice is that your depression starts going away little by little. Of course, I'm not a medical doctor and you're going to hear the opposite advice. And I want you to heed advice from doctors and what they tell you. And if you're on medications, I'm not telling you to stop. I'm just saying, start expressing yourself. Start knowing that it's okay to say things because, hey, you're already miserable. <laughs> you're already depressed. So you might as well start expressing yourself because it's going to be a lot better than getting more depressed. That's for sure. So that's what I wanted to address in your letter, Jill. Thank you so much for writing. And I'm glad that your letter again ended on a high note. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for writing and send me an update. I want to know how it's going for you. I want to know what you're doing to feel better, to get better, to get into a better space inside yourself. I hope all is well. Let's get to another letter since we have some time right after this.
I want to tell you about the Overwhelmed Brain Patron Program. There's a lot of little topics that I don't talk about on this show for one reason or another. <laughs> and there's a lot of big topics I don't talk about either. I also don't have time to share a lot of step-by-step teachings of some of the methods that I use in my coaching and in my own life, simply because this show is very structured and it has to adhere to the limitations of time. And also just having it once a week gives a a very limited window of opportunity to talk about anything else. So uh, that's one of the reasons I came up with the patron program. I can talk about almost anything for any length of time over there. I record private episodes anywhere from five minutes to even over an hour and a half for that anxiety coaching call that we did uh, like a week and a half ago. And if you're a patron already, you already have access to all the episodes that you're missing over here. In fact, I just recently talked about a very personal phobia that I've been dealing with almost all my life. Only recently have I been able to get over it. I share the process I used and where I was with it and where I am now, but this phobia plagued me and has even prevented me from getting help for it because I was so fearful. I know I'm leaving out a lot here, (laughs) but join the patron program and you'll hear me reveal all. Yes, I talk about some embarrassing things over there sometimes, but I created the program so that you and I could connect on a more personal level and it gives me a chance to get into the more specific teachings that this regular show isn't designed for. The private episodes are only $3 a month, which I think is accessible to almost everyone. And for a little more, you can get all the workbooks and worksheets that I have out now and I keep creating. And in fact, I just came out with the Emotional Triggers workbook. It's a big one (laughs) if you've been waiting for that. And last but not least, there's the highest level, the platinum level at $29 a month where you get the very engaging group coaching calls. This is where you can either listen or watch or join the conversation and ask questions if you want. And these calls, they're just starting to get off the ground, but it turns out they're more fun than I anticipated. (laughs) I didn't realize how much fun I'd have doing them, so I'm glad to hear that come out of my own mouth. (laughs) I didn't know what to expect because I never really coached in a group environment before. So I'm very happy that these calls are are shaping up to be more than I anticipated and I'm getting a lot of good feedback uh, including it's so good to be part of a call and not to feel like I'm alone like with a condition or a situation that I'm in it just feels good knowing that there are other people out there experiencing what I'm experiencing so a lot of good feedback the group calls are going great and I'd love to have you on these calls In fact, here's a little excerpt from our last call. We hang on to our anxiety as a thinking that by having it, it's a bad thing. Like Kelly was saying, there's anxiety can be resourceful, but we hang on to it without letting it get so bad that we don't want to feel it any worse. So what happens is we, we hang on to that anxiety. It gets to a point where we don't want it to get any worse. So we keep it at a level that it feels really bad, like longer. And at that moment in time, I let it ramp up until it just blew out. So I don't know how much we're going to get into that today, but that is something that I learned with my, that's my anxiety story that, I mean, I've had anxiety attacks and panic attacks before, but not often, but certainly not as often as Kelly. That's good to hear because when I listen to the Tony Robbins tapes, like 
many, many years ago, I was kind of depressed. And one of the steps was, all right, you need to go outside and, and what you're going to do is walk and say the following every day and every way I get stronger and <laughs> faster. Affirmations. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember trying those and they, I mean, I'm sure there's something for everybody out there that works. But for me, affirmations just felt like going through the motions in the mirror, you know, it wasn't, and that's okay. If one thing doesn't work, you just move on to something else that gives you a little bit of space to see something in a new way. Right. And like I said, that's good to hear because that didn't work for me. So I have a question for you, Kelly, and this is one of my notes is why do we have anxiety? I think if we start to understand why it happens, then we can start to kind of pick it apart ourselves as it's happening. So do you have an answer for why we have anxiety? So, yeah, that's a good question. We all have different beliefs about why we have anxiety. Some of us think we were born that way. Some of us think it's a fundamental flaw or weakness. Some of us think, um, you know, it was from that one incident 10 years ago when our older sibling beat us up real bad and mom wasn't there to like keep an eye on them. We all have different beliefs, but if you, if you strip it down to like the bare bones, Anyway, as you can see, we have a lot of fun in those calls. I'm hoping to see you in this private group, even if all you want are the members-only episodes. You'll gain a lot. So if you want more TOB, join the Patreon program today. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash member and see all the resources that we already have up there. You're going to love it. Visit theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash member. All right, we're back with uh, the second part of the Ask Paul segment. I wanted to read another letter that is um, very long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. In fact, I'm going to paraphrase a lot. This is from someone I'm going to call Janice, and she says that um, she's very happy that she found this podcast, and um, she's not a consistent listener, but it's truly helpful during times of need. And In August of 2015, her high school sweetheart swept back into her life. And she says, he rocked my world for the second time in my life. We were teenagers when we met the first time, and we were so, so in love. But it obviously wasn't all good, and I did end up leaving due to his constant flirtation with other girls and him kissing two of his exes during our breaks. And surprisingly, I got over it, and I didn't think about it much, and I led a wonderful life with lots of partying (laughs) after that. Fast forward a few years, I'm 23, he's 24, and he told me about a a child that he had with a woman that he wasn't in love with, that he cared about, and he cheated on constantly. And then he told me that he was not in a relationship technically, but lived with his ex-girlfriend, which wasn't the child's mom. And the relationship that he was in was on the rocks. He said his lease was going to be up in February of 2016, so you can imagine how those six months went. Actually, I'm not sure I can imagine that. <laughs> how How do you mean? Anyway, she said, constant arguments. Oh, this is where she explains it. Constant arguments, complaining, and tears because I'm so insecure, and I chose to date a guy that made it clear that, yes, he was back in love with me, but knew because of his living situation and him not fully having closed the door on that chapter He could not jump into another relationship. Fast forward to now. We moved in together and it hasn't even been two months of living together and we fight at least once a week. 
Don't get me wrong, the entire time we was living with his ex, his full romantic attention was on me and his actions proved that fully. But he was also still cordial with her and he's still friendly with his baby's mom. But he also talks about beautiful celebrity women in front of me and it literally drives me insane. Let alone his ex still texts him and I can feel panic creep up my spine. He shows me the text and I know they're not involved, but I still panic for some reason. He mentions another woman's looks and I'm filled with rage, hurt, and tremendous sadness. Just for him looking. Anyway, she goes on. She says she's always picking fights with him over little things and blowing up to the point where he's always asking, do you even want to be with me? Just break up with me like I know you want. And uh, then she goes on to say he wants out of the relationship and he's making it clear that he can't stand me when I'm like this. You should see the way he glares at me when I'm crying. It's like he hates me and is disgusted. Please help me. I love this man with every inch of me. He truly is my soulmate and my best friend. He says as his best friend, he is just so comfortable with me and he shares his relationship stories and his thoughts and opinions on things and doesn't want to change that about himself. He wants to be able to speak openly with me without me getting angry as he should. I truly feel helpless. I don't know why I can't accept all this love he is giving and showing me. I don't want to lose him. I don't want to drive him away. I know the problem is me, but how do I change? How do I stop being so judgmental and emotional and insecure? I constantly tell him I'm trying and things are good for about a week and then something else triggers overwhelming sadness and anger. Is this just me, as he always says, or will I ever be able to be happy? All right, Janice, thank you so much for sharing that. I get the situation, I think. There's one thing that you weren't fully clear about. I don't know if I read this just now, but you did say, I'm still so scared he'll love someone else. I spend my time analyzing his past and what he might have said or done with these two women that he was very serious with. It literally eats away at my brain, and I can't do anything but obsess over it and let him know that I'm obsessing and furious by berating him with accusations and claims that all he does is hurt me. I think, in fact, I know I didn't read that part. <laughs> that was kind of important because that was uh, telling me the reason that you were getting upset with him. And you even admit that you're plagued by insecurities. Now, I have a dumb question here. Why? Why are you scared that he'll love someone else? Why? You might think, because if he does love someone else, then he doesn't love me and he's going to leave me. Yeah, that's possible. But today, is that true? I mean, that's really the most important question. Today, is that true? Now, if your answer is, I don't know, then perhaps this is not the right relationship for you. You mentioned that he's your soulmate. Let me share with you that when you have a soulmate, which is just a term that probably some romance novel made up, <laughs> when you have a soulmate, you're not going to feel like this. A soulmate, if we're going to define it right here and right now, I'm going to assume is someone that you can trust fully, that you have no fear that he's going to leave you, that he's going to cheat on you, that he loves someone else. There's no fear whatsoever because you feel so happy in the relationship. You are sharing everything about you without fear. You can give yourself into the relationship without worry. 
you feel good. That to me, if I were to define a soulmate, would be my definition. If I were to say that my girlfriend was my soulmate, it's because I feel safe with her. I feel trusted by her. I trust her completely. She shares her most intimate thoughts and secrets with me. She calls me honey. (laughs) And she doesn't call anyone else honey, or maybe her son. (laughs) And I'm happy being with her. And I'm not plagued with doubts. I'm not plagued with insecurities. There's a reason you're plagued with insecurities. Well, there's probably several reasons. And one of them probably is that you can't stop thinking about his affiliation with other women. And if that's the case, then what do you do about it? Well, I remember when I was in a relationship in my teens and even in my 20s, uh, not so much in my 20s, but in my early 20s, where uh, the girl I was with, if she was talking to another guy, I would get jealous. I would get scared. And I would worry that she might like him more than me and take off with him. Well, let me tell you what happens. When you are in that state of worry that your partner, your husband or wife, your girlfriend or boyfriend, when you're in that state of fear all the time, you will manifest it. Even if it doesn't happen, come to believe that you will manifest your biggest fear. Which means you either have to get out of the relationship because you can't stop fearing, or you have to give in and say, it's not happening today. It's not happening right now. So let's enjoy today. Yes, it's possible. Tomorrow, a year from now, 20 years from now, he might not love you anymore. I think what happens is that we get this idea that we have this soulmate, and we get stuck in this process of going, but he's my soulmate. And everything about him is perfect. And I'll never find anyone like him ever again. And that's BS. (laughs) It really is. You will find someone different. Maybe even better. Maybe better looking. Maybe better in bed. Maybe better in a lot of ways. Maybe they're not as smart in calculus as this other person. Maybe they don't like the same music. But you're going to find someone else that has different characteristics, but makes you feel like a woman. Or if you're a man, makes you feel like a man. You're going to find someone else that makes you feel the way you want to feel. I know this because I've been through several breakups with my best friend. Every best friend that I had was my best friend and my only best friend. And then I met someone else and they became my best friend too. And then my exes were no longer my best friend. And I felt like I was losing my life. I felt like I was losing my identity, everything that I was with that person. I was with my first girlfriend or my first long-term girlfriend for 13 years. That was my longest relationship. And when that ended, I mean, we did everything together. And I shared everything with her. She knows all my secrets, I think. (laughs) When we parted, I felt like, it was over. That's it. My life's over. My best friend's gone and I'll never have anyone again. It was over. And then I met someone else and I had a new best friend and a new soulmate. Someone else that I'm going to have forever. And there is that word forever. My soulmate is forever. Well, 
that someone else didn't last forever. That someone else lasted eight years. And then I met someone else that I plan on staying with forever. Will this last forever? I don't know, but today is forever. Today it's happening now. I'm in the relationship. I have this person. They aren't talking to other people and looking at prospects and trying to find ways to leave the relationship or complaining about the stuff that I do. But I realized that in a year, in 10 years, in 20 years, she could look at me and go, no, this isn't working for me. And inside, that is like the crappiest feeling in the world. But today it's not. Today it feels fine. Today it's good. And I'm going to take advantage of today, of the moment. Now, I know that's not as easy for you because you have these plaguing thoughts. You think that he's maybe going to fall in love again or reconnect with his old flames. And as long as you have those thoughts, you will manifest those thoughts. It may not be with those women that he's talking to, but it may be with someone else. Because someone who is with someone who is constantly worried that they're going to go off and be with someone else is going to need a break from that thought process. And someone will be there. And maybe another woman might show up that gives him that break. I hate to be frank. I hate to be blunt. But this is exactly what's going to happen. Is that the more you fear it happening, the more you're going to drive a wedge between you and him. And that's not healthy for the relationship. He does have a sordid past. And right now, you don't trust him. I mean, that's the bottom line here. You don't trust him. So here's the question. What has he done to you to show that he is not trustworthy? What is he doing to you that shows that he's not trustworthy? Is he doing anything to show that he's not trustworthy? I mean, he came out and admitted to you that he cheated multiple times with one of those women. And if your thoughts are going in that direction where, hmm, he's capable of cheating, that's going to be hard to release until he's proven that he is not that way with you. Cheaters typically have a track record of cheating when they don't uh, come to an admission about it. When they're caught, that usually isn't the first time that they cheated. When they're caught and they don't admit that they were cheating and then later on they admit it, that usually indicates that they're very comfortable lying to you. And when they're very comfortable lying to you, the chances that they'll cheat again are great. Not always. I know people that have cheated once and lied about it and regretted it and never cheated again. But the chances that they'll do it are greater than not. So you have to develop a trust. And the only way to develop that trust is to look for references of something in the relationship that you do trust. If he keeps showing you the texts that he's getting and they're friendly and they're not showing anything inappropriate, okay, that could be a level of trust. If, however, you have a thought of, I don't want you communicating with this girl that you used to live with, you know, not his kid's mother, but this other woman that he lived with. If that makes you uncomfortable, then you have to honor yourself and say, I don't want you communicating with her. It makes me uncomfortable. I think it's inappropriate. I think you should focus your time, energy, and attention on me. 
I want to grow our relationship. I want you to focus on me and our relationship and build it so that I don't have to think about you talking with your exes. I mean, some people can handle their girlfriend or boyfriend talking to their exes. And some people can't. So you create a line in the sand. You create a personal boundary saying, it hurts me when you talk to your ex. I don't like it. And see what he says. This is going to go one way or another. He might say, well, that's too bad because we're friends. And you have to accept that we have a, a good relationship and we get along as friends and I have no intention of going back with her. He might answer that way. He also might answer, what? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you say that? You have no right to say who's my friend. Or he might say, and this is something that I would probably do, wow, I didn't know that would hurt you. I didn't know you felt that way. Absolutely, I'll stop talking to her right now. You're more important to me than she is. So I don't want to ruin what we have. I think what we have is great. It could go one of three or maybe more ways. But the idea is to come to a place inside of you where you go, what will I accept and what won't I accept? If you can't accept that he is talking to his ex and they do have a platonic relationship and there does not seem to be any type of romantic thing going on or even any type of emotional affair where he's sharing secrets with her and you. I mean, if, if that's a healthy, friendly relationship, but you don't like it and he decides to keep it, can you accept that? If the answer is no, then you've drawn your line and you have to create accountability. Accountability is one of those things where you go, if you continue doing that, if you continue talking with her, if you continue texting with her, I will not be around. I will leave. That's accountability. And you do it to protect you. Because right now, and you heard me say this in the earlier segment, I would rather be in pain for a short time from the breakup than be in misery indefinitely. Because that's where you are right now. By staying in this situation and not accepting what's going on, you're in misery. So you have to draw your line. You have to make it clear what's acceptable to you. And when it's not acceptable and he keeps violating your personal boundaries, then you create accountability and you leave or you do what you have to do to get you out of a situation that you're not comfortable with. And that might mean breaking up. Like I said, I'm being blunt here. I'm being honest because if he really is this super duper guy and he does have female friends, he will probably continue to have female friends. And if he really is faithful to you, then you need to come to an acceptance that he's going to be faithful to you. However, if your radar, <laughs> your uh, emotional radar is going nuts and you're detecting these red flags and you think something else might be going on, but you just can't see the, the whole picture, you just that might be your intuition kicking in, then maybe it's saying something. Maybe there's a clearer message than you think and you just don't want to accept it. This really all comes down to what's happening today, not what might happen tomorrow. What might happen isn't the case today. It's not, it's not truth. It's a story. What might happen might be the biggest obstacle that you ever face because you make it up in your mind. You're just making up a story of what might be but may never be. It's a constant state of anxiety and fear that is not worth living. 
I'd rather live for today. I know that's easy to say than do, but everything I just told you needs to be addressed in you. You need to come up with some sort of accountability where you draw a line in the sand and say, this is what I will accept and this is what I won't. And even if it means that it's going to hurt, be painful, I need to create this accountability and I need to do what's right for me. What's right for you? What's right for you in the sense that do you want to stay in this state of anxiety, this state of tension, this state of stress, and you're lashing out? Do you want to stay like that? Because if you can't accept what's happening today, then you have to move on. And just a real quick side note, the fact that he says, just break up with me like I know you want, the fact that he says that and doesn't take steps himself show that you're both doing the same thing. He doesn't want you to behave the way you're behaving and it's crossing his boundaries, but he wants you to take responsibility for it instead of standing up and saying, wow, I don't know what your problem is. If you don't trust me, that's then I'll leave. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be in this relationship with someone who doesn't trust me. So why is he sticking around? What's in it for him? Yes, he really loves you. Maybe he does. But don't get stuck in this pattern that will never end. If it hasn't improved in the last three months, six months, a year, if it doesn't improve, if it hasn't improved, it's not going to. Improvement needs to happen in a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. You need to see the improvements. But if you're just waiting for something to change, it won't. That's the most honest, hardest truth I can give you. Accept that what it is today will never change. And then decide on that. Because today, you have to make a decision by what you know today, not what you think or hope will happen tomorrow. Thanks so much for writing, Janice. And I wish you the best with that. I know it's hard. But know that this is just a tiny little drop in the giant ocean that is your life ahead. Everything seems wonderful when you're with someone you love. Hmm, but then maybe you break up and then maybe you meet someone else that makes you feel pretty darn good. He's not like the other guy, but maybe he's better in some ways. Maybe in some ways he's not. Maybe he's smarter or maybe he's better looking or maybe none of that matters and you just feel better being with him. And I think that's the bottom line. Once you get to a place where you feel good about yourself, where you're not worried, where you feel safe and secure, that's a great feeling to have. So not everyone can do that for you. And sometimes the person you're with can't do it for you. It's great to have that feeling inside. So a real question for you is if someone else came along and made you feel just as happy, just as warm, just as supported and secured and loved, would you give that person a chance? I'm not saying that you need to break up and meet someone else. I'm saying that don't put all your money in one person that's supposed to change your entire life and make you happy forever. It doesn't always work out that way. Everyone that's listening right now, (laughs) have you ever been married forever? (laughs) Probably half this audience has been divorced. Probably half this audience has met their soulmate and then lost their soulmate in some way, shape, or form. And it sucks. I, I hated going through it. And it's just something that happens. We think we found the one and then we change. 
We grow, we evolve, we heal from our past, we get into fights, <laughs> we are in conflict more times than not, and we realize, whoa, we aren't as compatible as we thought we were. This happens, this is normal, and yes, it hurts, and it hurts to hear that this person that we are with may not be the one, but enjoy it today. What do you have today? Is it worth saving? Is it worth investing who you are into it today? And you look at your past and you realize, hmm, has this been going great up till today? Yes, then maybe you can keep going. And if not, then, and there's been no progress and it just seems miserable all the time, then maybe this is not the one and maybe it's time to uh, create some accountability in the relationship, in your life, and draw the line so that when it gets crossed, you're not going to take that anymore because you're worth more than that. You deserve to be happy, and that's what I want for you. Thanks again, Janice, and thanks for tuning into another episode. Stick around while I say goodbye and thank you and for my final words. Be right back. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank GetOutOfTheMess.com. If you want the peace of mind, knowing that you can just call an attorney to ask almost any question, anytime, for just $20 a month, contact Asha with Get Out of the Mess. She'll connect you with the freedom to be comfortable no matter what life sends your way. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, visit GetOutOfTheMess.com or call 678-355-8777. And what do you think about the TOB patron program? Are you a patron yet? If not, I'd love to connect with you in there. You're probably missing some of the best stuff. <laughs> Private episodes, workbooks and worksheets, and group coaching. Anywhere from $3 a month to $29 a month. A couple different levels in between. You'll get a lot more than what you're getting once a week on this show. So go over to theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash member and become a TOB patron today. Hey, for $3 a month, you can't beat it. It's very affordable, very accessible. And for a few dollars more, you get a whole lot more. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash member. And whether you want to do the patron program or not, I want to thank you. If you've purchased one of my books or worksheets or used the Amazon link on the website, well, that's the easiest way to give back. So if you've been listening for months or even years, use that Amazon link every time you shop. Your shopping habits are definitely making a difference. I notice it, and it really does help keep the overwhelmed brain going and going. Thank you so much. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. To close the show, I want to talk about something that um, I didn't really address on this episode, but it's been on my mind, and it has to do with many of the coaching clients that I talk with. Some of the clients I have are women that are married or are with a man that uh, is very disconnected from his emotions. I see this over and over and over again where the woman is very emotional and wants to connect and wants that reciprocating love and support that she is feels like she's giving to him. But the man is so emotionally distant and disconnected 
and she just can't get enough of him. He's just not con- able to connect at a deeper emotional level that, that she needs. And I see this a lot, like I said. And I got to tell you, it is very difficult for both people to communicate well, to bond in this type of situation. If you're anyone that is very connected to their emotions and you're with someone who is very disconnected from their emotions, you're going to have a hard time with your relationship. Now, I don't mean to say that to give you bad news (laughs) because there are ways that you can strengthen the bond and it may have to do with learning how they experience love, how they uh, feel emotions and you know, maybe you can learn the five love languages, like that book, the five love languages and how they know they're being loved. I don't know. My point is that um, these relationships tend to disintegrate over time. And again, I don't mean this to be bad news, but it, it's kind of helpful to know what to expect when it comes to this type of relationship. If one of you is more emotional and needs that emotional connection and you're with someone who maybe started off with an emotional connection or not and just doesn't seem to be emotionally connected now, it doesn't get better. It doesn't. This is a matter-of-fact episode. (laughs) I'm being very blunt in this episode because there needs to be an acceptance that things aren't going to get better if they stay the same. If he never wants to connect with his emotions, and typically that's because... They were either convinced that emotions are bad from a parental figure when they were young or when they did express emotion, they were told that they were being a baby or that you're not supposed to express emotions. You better stuff it down. Kids can learn to do that. Kids can learn to stuff down their emotions and suddenly they're having a robotic life. Everything's analyzing and there's not much joy in life, and and a lot of men go through this. A lot of men go through the motions, not the emotions, just the motions. And they're getting some minor needs met, but no emotional needs are being met. And sometimes you see uh, addictive behaviors come out of this, like sex addicts. They're not getting their emotional needs met, so they keep having sex, more and more sex with people trying to get that emotional need fulfilled but they don't know how to express their emotions or they're afraid to express their emotions because they were never allowed to or they feared doing it for some reason this is a very unhealthy place where you're not connected to your emotions it's extremely extremely unhealthy and the reason is because you are just like i said before repressing what you are feeling You are not expressing what's going on inside of you. And when you don't express, you build a layer of protection around your emotional, what I call your emotional core. And that layer of protection not only prevents you from being hurt by others, but also prevents you from feeling joy, from feeling love, from feeling general satisfaction and peace in life. Because where you're most vulnerable you're also most powerful. Where your sadness comes from, your happiness comes from. Where your weaknesses are, 
your strength is. And when you block that off, you block it all. And it's not worth it. It's not worth living a life like that. So what do you do? Well, you start asking yourself, what do I really want to say in this moment? How do I really feel in this moment? And that may not be an easy question because you haven't felt for a long time. But if I were Superman or Superwoman, what would I say? If I were invincible, what would I say? If I was allowed to express anything that I wanted to anyone I wanted, what would it be and who would it be? I mean, think about these questions. If I could say anything I wanted without consequence, just to get it out of my system, knowing that there would be no lashback whatsoever, who would I say it to and what would I say? What would I say to my dad? What would I say to my mom? Think about all the things that we never said or wanted to say that we didn't because we felt scared or couldn't because we were too young to protect ourselves or maybe we were in an abusive situation or in a neglecting situation, some sort of place in our childhood that we just weren't allowed to feel emotion or express ourselves. What if we were conditioned or trained to hold back our emotional being? I'm telling you right now, emotions give you strength. That's why so many women are powerful. Because women typically have access to that feminine side that a lot of men don't. Now, we both have access to both. And yes, there's a lot of men who have access to their feminine side. And there's a lot of men that have access to their masculine side and vice versa with women. But the idea is to get comfortable with both aspects of yourself. Get comfortable with the feminine, nurturing, receptive, emotional side, which is very powerful. And be comfortable in that strength the same way you're comfortable with your masculine, physical, action-oriented, take charge, stand up for yourself, stand up for your personal boundaries, masculine side. They're both very powerful and combined they create a strength in you that is not comparable to anything you've ever felt. Grasp both aspects because what'll happen is if you are more geared to be comfortable with one aspect, that's where somebody can find a vulnerability in you. If you're more feminine and you're more nurturing and more receptive and you're connected with your emotions, but you don't have much of that masculine, I'm going to protect my boundary side, then people can take advantage of you. They can cross your boundaries. They can exploit you. It's the same thing if you're more masculine. They'll take advantage of you going through the feminine aspect that you're not very strong in. It works either way. So the idea is to be comfortable and embrace both aspects of yourself and know that it's okay to be expressive and know that it's okay if you're a man's man to cry every now and then. Know that it's okay to feel sad. Know that it's okay to be hurt, to feel alone, to feel anything, to feel angry, to, to feel pain. It's okay because when you do, you also get to feel joy and happiness and peace and tranquility and satisfaction and so many other things. The more you suppress inside of you, the less you feel overall. And we don't want that. You don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. So what I'd like to ask you to do is open your mind and step into your power. 
I want you to be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And I shared all of this with you at the end of the show because I don't want you to be in a relationship where you're not getting someone that's always giving and someone that's always taking and there's no reciprocation, there's no balance. You deserve more than that. You deserve to be with someone who loves you as much as you love them, who supports you as much as you support them. And if you're not in a relationship, that's fine too. Because being the healthiest you you can be, where you're always bringing your best self to the table, that's rewarding in itself. That's where you can feel proud in your own skin, knowing that you're doing what you can for your best health and well-being. Bring that to the table and you'll be unstoppable. You are unstoppable. You are invincible. And there's one last thing that I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Let's get to another letter. 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 Another letter. Is it recording? <laughs> <laughs>